Welcome back to another episode of the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Mudgear Battle of the Lions Pro, Evan Paris. I got a couple of guests with me on the line. I'm going to bring one of them first, and then I'll bring on the other two. So joining me, I have Mudgear Battle of the Lions Pro, Thomas Plush. Tom, welcome back. Hello. Good to be back. <laughs> I hear some little ones in the background. I always love to hear that. Um, if you don't know Tom, podiums all the time out here in the Midwest, and he's won the Open at the... Uh, all-male uh, OCR World Championships uh, division. And then uh, has we're going to say he has the world record for the most number of barefoot OCR podiums because I only know other, one other person in the world that runs barefoot OCR. Um, and I know you have more podiums than him, which I currently – I believe you're at seven. Is that correct? Or were you, were you uh, that, yes, it's between five and eight. So I'm going to actually tally that up sometime gonna, soon. and. All right, we'll get it tallied up and we'll add it to the Mudgear Battle Alliance Pro Team website. If you haven't been to that, it's botlprotein.com. And you can head over there. There's information about all of our athletes. And then there's also information about technique videos and stuff like that, kind of recaps of what we've done the last couple of years. And it is a continuation from the CTG Pro Team, right? So it, it traces the lineage back to there. So you get to see all the historic rosters, uh, all the cool technique videos, lots of fun stuff on the website. Again, that's botlprotein.com. But this episode is brought to you by OCR Buddy. OCR Buddy is an app you can download to your phone, and it tells you about all these races um, all over the United States and really all over the world. So it's got, I think, like thousands of races in there. It's it's literally insane. And uh, this year, that's what I've been using to find all of my races. So obviously, like I can, I know where to go to look for Tough Mudder races and Spartan and stuff like that, or Battle of Lines, right? But like all of the smaller brands, if you follow me on social media, that you always see me racing. I get them all from OCR Buddy. Uh, Tom, tell me a little bit about your OCR Buddy experience. Uh, yeah, I like using it for, like, it's almost like you're there at the race. You get pictures and uh, articles and video and coverage and um, one click, and you can see all the races in the Midwest, even the ones that you haven't even heard of. Yeah. So that's convenient. If you're out traveling, you're going to be on the west side or west coast, east coast. Go to the app and kind of see what's around, and you might even get a race on a vacation. Yeah, and they've got a lot of discount codes on there too. And what I really like is their search function. So I can like block off, all right, between this date and this date, I know I'm going to be traveling for work. Give me races within 100 miles of this zip code, and it, it, it'll pull up everything. So that's how I, that's actually how I realized I was going to be in the area for Rugged Maniac early this year when I went home to visit some family. Uh, I was like, oh, there's one in New Jersey then. Thanks, OCR buddy. <laughs> Um, so yeah, check out OCRBuddy.com. We got, I publish articles on there on the, on the regular. And then on top of that, their social media, I did some Instagram stories for them on a bunch of races this year. And then on top of that, download the app. All right, let's bring on the rest of our team. And, uh, we're going to talk about this race that we found via the OCR buddy app today, uh, called the siege is in garden city, Kansas. Uh, so joining us, we have a strength and speed athlete. We have Kim Welch, Kim, welcome. How's it going guys? <laughs> Yeah, so Kim uh, finished 18th in the 3K at OCR World Championships in the Pro Division, 10th at Battle of the Lions, Kansas City in 2021. And uh, has kind of been in the sport for a while, has qualified for OCRWC every year for the last five years, and is also a third-grade teacher, also has an amateur boxing background. So, Kim, welcome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And always got a positive attitude. Always, always, always love seeing <laughs> you out at races. <clears throat> So let's, our fourth athlete, uh, someone who I actually didn't know before this past weekend. So Paul Muckenthaler. So uh, one of Tom's friends, Paul, welcome to the show. And uh, let's, let's jump into just a little bit about your background. I know you got some interesting uh, background, uh, lifelong athlete here. So tell us a little bit about what you, where you're coming from. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, this uh, weekend was a blast. Uh, I was a high school athlete played all sports all all growing up all through grade school high school middle school all of it um ended up going to college for football uh played football for a couple of years ended up doing cheerleading for a couple of years um also did a little underground mixed martial arts cage fighting uh briefly rode bulls a little bit and uh yeah just all around sports doing you know uh intramural sports all through college softball flag football and all all sorts of Anything I could get my hands on, really. Awesome. So. Well, I'm going to ask you a bunch of bull riding and uh, mixed martial arts questions 
after we talk <laughs> about the siege for a little bit. But I'm curious to learn some uh, kind of crossover lessons that we can apply for mastering complex skills or getting better at obstacle course racing. So let's start off with the siege. Uh, Tom, you raced the event in 2020. Um, so how was, you know, what made you put it back on your schedule in 2022? Uh, honestly, you did. Um, with uh, <laughs> Battle of the Lions, the endurance race, and then this one right afterwards, I was like, that's two straight weekends of running and lots of traveling and Garden City. It's kind of like just driving out to the middle of nowhere. So when you gave me the invite, I was like, uh, maybe I will put it on the calendar. Because when I went in 2020, I mean, COVID was hitting hard, so the race wasn't as big. Um, it was still kind of an up and coming, um, event for them. So it wasn't something I was going to necessarily go back out for until you guys kind of gave me the push. Right on. Yeah. So I was looking for, uh, just another kind of race to fill in some of my calendar. And, uh, I, I always like looking for these smaller brands. Cause I think they're, sometimes you find these like hidden gems and, uh, I really like the fact that they, you know, again, there's there's not a lot as there's like bureaucracy surrounding them, right? So if they want to do something crazy in the middle of the race, they can, uh, like put mud pits between every obstacle, the two of them, you know, and it it, it kind of changes the game a little bit and, and challenges you. Uh, so went out there. I, I, honestly, my expectations for like a, a little race out in the middle of Kansas because it was about it's about five six hours west of Kansas City. So it, I mean, it's out there. It's right in like dead smack in the middle of Kansas and um, you know, expectations were low. So Kim, you've done a bunch of OCRs over the last couple of years. Why don't you tell me some of your kind of expectations going in and then kind of how the race actually uh, looked like. Yeah. Uh, I live in uh, Moberly, Missouri, which um, kind of in the middle of the state, uh, kind of about half hour North of Clum- uh, North of Columbia. So had about a 10 hour drive and kind of like you're saying, Evan uh, wasn't quite sure. <laughs> what to expect <laughs> so um but no joke like just the the volunteers the uh, just the just the support that they provided out there was some of the best i've ever been a part of um being in like savage race like I said battle of the lions races um i mean you name it world championships it was uh very surprising just in garden city kansas they were able to like get that many volunteers out there um yeah just even just the chips, we had uh, timing chips on our shoes, um, which I thought was first class, just being able to go in any wave and be able to have that just instant feedback on uh, how you guys um, kind of placed and stuff was very, very impressive. So the, the race was a 5K OCR, and then there was um, essentially the competitive waves up first, and then they did some open waves, and then there was a competitive team, wa- team waves, and then there was, com- there was open team waves. And then there was a mini uh, siege, so a one-mile kids course, which used a part of the adult course. So our plan going out there was me, Kim, and Tom are going to run the individual race and uh, you know, hopefully take the top three. But it was going to be a little bit tricky because it was a time trial format. So there was like uh, five different waves uh, for the competitive, which prevented a-, a bottlenecks at obstacles. And then there was essentially uh, about an eight-minute break. And then we had to run the full 5K course again as a team. Uh, this time we had Paul joining us. So, Paul, uh, we're going to talk about how the individual race went in a minute. But, Paul, just tell me about some of the obstacles uh, that you encountered on the course and kind of some of your thoughts on, uh, you know, favorite, least favorite, um, challenges, et cetera. Yeah, the, uh, I think the biggest pain was the X's that we had to go through with our hands over our head. That was that was rough for guys with shorter legs. I'm only 5'10", and I know you guys are probably shorter than me, I think, maybe about the same height. So that was that was pretty tough. Having the mud pits in between every obstacle was definitely wore you down a little bit. I uh, Once we got around to the 4x4s, we had to run across the top of them that were kind of like a ladder format. I had to throw my sunglasses off to the side because they were so covered in mud I couldn't see anything anymore. <laughs> so... <laughs> I had to, uh, I just kind of chucked them to the side and just took off. But uh, I think probably the toughest one for me was that uh, 
just that sandbag carry this 60 pounds sandbag carried around the track one time it, you know that it gasses you pretty good if you try to go at a good pace yeah i think my favorite one was they had a uh swing i said a tarzan swing right so a rope and then you swing and kind of hurdle over this log on the far side and like we were talking about there was mud pits uh essentially there was like the first mile, I feel like there was two between every obstacle. So you do like, yeah. you do like a, you know, a hurdle obstacle and you do two mud pits. Then you do a inverted ladder obstacle. You do two mud pits. You do a wall. You do two mud pits. You do the swing over obstacle. You do two mud pits. You do the monkey bars. You do two mud pits. And the mud pits were, um, so there was, it was about, you know, I don't know, eight, 10 inches of mud at the bottom. And then it was, you know, another 10 inches of water or so. And then you had like three kind of nets that you had to low crawl underneath. Um, so my first lap, I know I was like, I was basically crawling underneath all of them. Uh, I think on my second lap, I ended up standing a lot between them and I'm not really sure which one was faster. Tom, what did you, what did you think was the faster method for going through those standing and running through or crawling the whole time? Um, honestly, it's hard to say. I think crawling, uh, was probably the better option because, um, the up and down just winded me the first yeah. lap. Uh, that's what I tried to do was run between them. But when I got through it, I was gassed. My heart rate was up the second time when I was having a little more fun with it, I was just kind of crawling more and I felt better coming out of it, but still fast. Yeah. And then those X's Paul mentioned, they were, so they were, they were just these stand up X's, you know, made of like four by fours and you spent, you had to go through them uh, kind of like high legs and you, you weren't supposed to use your hands. So you just got to keep your hands on top of your head. And Paul, you're right. I mean, I was, I was exhausted. I got to the end and I was like, that was like, the, that was exhausting. Cause it was probably about, I don't know, a dozen of them in a row. And then you had to kind of step over and I had to like physically lift up my legs on a couple of them to get through them. Um, but it, it was cool. It was again, that, that's something that was tiring. The sandbag was tiring, uh, but it was doable, right? So anyone can come out and do the siege um, and, and not have a major problem. Uh, Kim, any other thoughts on some of your favorite or least favorite obstacles? Uh, I'm going to tag along with you, Evan, on at least my favorite was that does like a Tarzan swing. And, uh, yeah, if they had, uh, more of those, I would not mind it. Uh, that was pretty cool. Pretty, so, pretty cool. So I think the, um, and if it, Tom, if anyone knows, maybe Tom, you know, um, I think this was actually a JROTC, uh, obstacle course. Cause I recognize a lot of the obstacles from the military. And I think what they did was they actually, you know, they started a little bit further away, so you got some running in, and then they hit a couple of the JRTC obstacles, did some more running, and then kind of looped back and forth between, you know, ground and the, and the course. Do you know if that's correct, Tom? Uh, yeah. Uh, actually, the, the judge at those X's that you guys were talking about, she was uh, giving me crap because I said, how do we get through this without our hands? And she said, the high school kids do it. <laughs> so, kind of made the reference that they – they, and I think in 2020, I did see a lot of like new build, um, like around that tower too, uh, that they used to have. I think they still had it out there in the center. Yeah. But, but, uh, they made a lot of military style obstacles for training. Yeah. Yeah. So the, uh, some of the obstacles, again, like I mentioned, I, I recognize them from, from military obstacle courses and they, they changed some of them, right? So the Weaver, they actually just turned into an, like kind of a, an A-frame. So you just kind of climbed up and down. I was kind of hoping we'd have to do the weaver just because I know that's a tiring, especially if you don't know how to do the technique very well. Um, the monkey bars were about twice as long as they made us go. So they made us go about halfway down and then drop onto a blue mat, um, which I think was, you know, based off of watching some of the other people go through after us, I think that was probably, probably a good call. Um, obviously, you know, I know everyone on this podcast likes the harder obstacles and we want, you know, I think all of us would prefer the Weaver and the long version of the monkey bars, but that's a, that's a personal preference. So, and the Tarzan swing one is actually an obstacle called the swing, stop and jump. So in the military, you have to swing and then stop and land on that, um, that, that log and stabilize yourself before you jump off, which is actually a lot harder than just clearing it. So just kind of a, some interesting notes there. All right. Uh, Kim, take us through, the competitive wave and how that went for uh, the competitive wave. Um, just kind of on the individual one. Yeah. Yeah. The individual. Uh, yeah. I thought um, I was feeling yeah, pretty good kind of off the get go, just trying to 
really just kind of match match you on stride. And then, um, like you said, going through the mud pits, uh, I went pretty much crawled underneath each uh, each of the, like you said, little nettings that kind of were going, um, I guess, kind of horizontal across them. And that seemed to help me not get as tired compared to the second time I went through. I actually tried the standing up version where you kind of kneel down underneath and that seemed to gas me out definitely more than crawling. Um, but, uh, but yeah, overall just, um, yeah, they, I loved how too, they had really set up good, uh, hydrational areas with the water. Um, I thought that was set up really good. Um, and like you guys said, this <laughs> the sandbag definitely, yeah, you gotta definitely pace yourself if you try to go around that track too quick. Um, yeah, definitely would burn out pretty good, but yeah, overall, I I loved. I I'm no, I'm definitely definitely heading that way next year for sure. I was I was legit impressed the quality, you know, because they're using permanent builds for a lot of the obstacles. I was impressed impressed with the quality of the obstacles. I mean, these were these were high quality stuff that you again, it's just kind of surprising to see in the middle. I was we drove out there and I, my wife's like, well, "Is there going to be anything to watch?" I'm like, "I don't know, probably not. We'll probably have like a couple of like, you know, little things out there, and then that'll be it." Um, and, uh, you know, kind of running through the course, I was like, wow, this is, this is nice. So, uh, tell us how you finished, Kim. What was your, pl- uh, what was finished- the, what was the placement of, of, of the, of the individuals that ran for us? Um, so, I, uh, so, uh, Thomas got first, I got second and, um, I, I believe I'm kind of checking that little sheet. I think it was 24 minutes, uh, almost on the button for Thomas. Then I got third like 24 minutes 33 seconds and then for second place and then you came in third and I think it was 25 minutes like and a half yeah yeah something like that I came in (laughs) burning hot (laughs) like a dumpster fire here yeah (laughs) so this is a this is a for a week after toughest uh mutter central Indianapolis for me so I ran 37 miles last week and I was like I wasn't, I was planning on running a shorter race that weekend. We all know that's a, maybe not a long story, but I, it's a fairly short story. I just don't know what happened. Uh, but I ended up not running the race I was supposed to. So I did an ultra and then I had already made plans to do this siege 5k. So I was like, ah, oh, man. And then, um, you know, I invited, uh, to make sure we had a good team. I invited Tom and Kim, um, and then they found Paul and, uh, I was like, ah, oh, man, I brought my own competition again. So, uh, I was a little worried. <laughs> I was a little worried. I was for the second time this year, I was going to push myself off the podium by bringing, uh, having my friend show up, but uh, it ended up working out pretty well. Yeah. Tom took first, Kim second. And I, I came trailing, trailing in third, looking pretty rough and with my heart rate high and my little leg turnover. And then we had about like an eight minute break and we lined up and, um, instead of counting, instead of the, the single race double counting, we had to run, we ran the course again. So as part of the team division and for the team division, they let you off know, each team one at a time. And they just took an average of the uh, four fastest time, or they took an average of your four times. And that was kind of your team score. So Paul, uh, tell me what it was like. I know, uh, I know, you know, Tom pretty well, but what it was like joining a team of, uh, you know, fairly, fairly strong obstacle course racers coming out to, uh, you know, I don't know, was this your first OCR or was this one of your, or just one of your early ones. This is your first one, I believe. Yeah, this is my first official OCR. Um, I said, I've done a couple of, I can't remember the name though. I did the mud factor run here in Wichita with my son. Uh, you know, it wasn't nothing real competitive. Um, so yeah, joining a team of guys that, you know, have that background, you know, gave me that extra push to just push myself to another level. And, um, I feel like I did all right. I think I could have pushed myself a little bit harder. I'm ready to keep training and, and get to the point where I can podium on my own and uh, in an individual competition as well. So it was it was great to be a part of you guys' team. The atmosphere is great. You guys are, uh, you know, uh, inspirational and, you know, kept, my, kept me up, not, you know, not putting you down for being slower. <laughs> Now we were we were glad to have you out there. We needed a we needed a fourth person, and you you performed well. And I know I, I said this to you after the race because you said the same thing. You're like, I think I could have pushed a little harder. And it's like, you know, I think every athlete who has that competitive mindset says that. 
um, when the race is over and it's been over for like an hour, you know, when you cross the finish line, most people, you know, from my, 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 my view, it didn't look like you, you could have pushed harder. I thought you did a great job and, uh, you were keeping up with us till about, uh, probably about the halfway point And then, um, then it kind of fell off, which is fairly normal, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I thought you looked good out there and you, you I, flew I, across I, the monkey bars. No problem. There's I only no had about awkward. A four day, four or five day worth of training to get ready for it. I'd been <laughs> doing more powerlifting type workouts, done a couple of workouts with Thomas out of his place, you know, doing a little bit more of that uh, uh, CrossFit type of workout with him. But um, yeah, I really, I mean, he's like, hey, how's your. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> That's awesome. I so had about a week to train for it. And... Tom, tell us about your decision, uh, your decision of footwear for the uh, team race. Uh, for my footwear? Yeah. Uh, well, BJ shoes are always the, the, my go-to on a course that I need to wear shoes. But with us doing it twice, and I always like that natural feel. I went with the barefoot again, and even after running the first race, I was only, I want to say, like 50 seconds lower the second race. So, honestly, I may have been a little quicker um, going barefoot. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, you know, if you're barefoot, that's less rotating weight on your feet, which means it's going to be easier to do for leg turnover. The hard part, obviously, is toughening up your feet. Uh, so they can hand it can handle that kind of punishment. So, um, but yeah, and I learned I learned from a I watch Hunter McIntyre and a lot of his training, and he goes to a, um, experts on the subject of running. And it's actually a lot of people think you need to wear those cushion shoes for running, which to a degree it does help. But if you want speed, the less contact space between your foot and the ground, the quicker you'll be. Yeah, because it absorbs the energy when you have them thick sole triathlon type shoes. But don't get me wrong; in 26 miles, you want some cushion for your joints. But you know, if it's a short race and your feet can take it, you'll be faster. Yeah, I mean, if you look at track spikes or like what I what I used to wear when I ran 5K, like 5K road races, they were super thin and super light, right? Because I'm I want to limit the amount of weight on my feet. So the less weight and even, even for even it's a trade-off for ultra too. Right. So I run uh, obviously my specialty is ultra, but the, I still look at the weight of my shoe when I'm running an ultra, right. Cause if I have a shoe that's an extra two ounces heavier, you know, that's I'm lifting those two ounces, you know, times, you know, however many times I lift my foot in an hour times 24 hours. Right. So that's a lot of extra weight to be moving on your feet. Now, uh, obviously, the trade-off is you might have a little less cushioning. So, you know, you kind of try to find that balance with for ultra. You know, like a little bit of cushioning, but not too much cushioning. And, you know, if you have too much cushioning, then when they when they absorb water, they just become like these giant sponges on your feet. So, yeah, it's a trade-off. BJ's is my go-to also. So uh, that's what I, I wore, the BJ Max for both races and Mudgear socks and the uh, new Mudgear compression shorts. And uh, I think I, I wrote my review for Mudgear compression shorts. I'm not sure. Is that up yet? I'm not sure. I think I, I don't think that's up yet, but so the pocket on the back of the mud gear shorts, I thought it was small and it actually goes like all the way across your back. So like you can cram, I have not tested it out, but I would bet you could cram probably like 10 gels into that back pocket. I mean, it, it runs the, the width of your hips. I know Tom, you got a pair of those mud gear shorts. Any other thoughts on them? Yeah, that's where I put my, uh, I was able to put my timing chip in them for the barefoot race. Um, that was pretty handy and, uh, you know, keep a credit card in there or ID. If you don't have anywhere to set that stuff, then you're going to go run. I mean, it might get a little wet, but nice having that right there in your back pocket. And I didn't feel like my timing chip was going to fall out or any worries about it. Cause I mean, that could have almost ruined our race if one of us were to lose the timing chip. It's nice to look down and see it on your shoe, but. Yeah, it's got a zipper closure on the back there. Um, there's a, while obviously the race was going on, there was a festival 
Kim, uh, tell me a little bit of some of your thoughts about how the festival went and uh, some of your thoughts. And I know Tom brought some, some goodies for everyone. If you want to plug that brand that gave us those drinks, that'd be cool too. Oh yeah. The festival, I was uh, pretty surprised. No joke. Just uh, the amount of just like free, free stuff they gave you as far as bananas, Gatorade, water, just like 10, 15 different like granola bar, Nutri-Grain bars that they had. You just grab whatever you wanted. Um, just really uh, kind of catered to, to just trying to help get you rehydrated. And um, yeah, especially for the price, because I only had to pay, I think it was $40 uh, online for the event. And I'm like, man, they, they gave us quite a bit uh, for your money's worth. And, um, and you signed oh, and up last minute the, too. So that was like the final price. That wasn't like, you know, you signed yeah. up what, like two weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Usually it increases so, yeah, it to like a hundred uh, as you get close to race day, you know? Dang. And, um, but yeah, oh, and then they have the, uh, army kind of, um, kind of army, uh, I guess booth, you could kind of say that was there and they had just some flyers and information there, which was really cool. And, um, we did the, Thomas uh, kind of convinced us to get in a little pull-up competition. <laughs> so that was – I enjoyed, enjoyed that quite a bit. That was fun. Yeah, it was actually the Marines there. Um, oh, the Marines. Not, oh, not okay. to nitpick. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, but yeah, Marines. the Marines did have a recruiting booth there slash pull-up contest. Um, side note, the Army's recruiting numbers are low. So if anyone's looking for a job, uh, they're offering like $50,000 bonuses. So just a heads up. Uh, if anyone wants to join the army, you you can find your local recruiting station and ping them. But some really ridiculous bonuses going on right now because recruiting numbers are so low. Anyway, um, I'm not sure if the Marines and the Navy have the same thing or the Air Force, but I know the army it is. Uh, yeah, the festival was good. The um, yeah, it was fun. And then we so I ended up sticking around a little longer, and I rolled right into my daughter. Decided to do the competitive kids course. That was her first competitive OCR. She's seven. She's done Casey Timber Challenge a couple times. She's done the Tough Mudder Kids course a couple times. Um, so she's run adult courses. So she did this one. This one was about a mile. And basically, it, the beginning was the same as the adult course, except uh, where the, there was a giant kind of inverted ladder. Uh, instead of going up the inverted ladder, you essentially took a left there, and uh, you kind of cut off probably you know almost two miles to the course at that point, and then uh, went right into – uh, some tunnels and a uh, they had they had these tires that were laid out along the track and you just had to go up and over the tire, which sounds fine, but there was probably like I don't know, twenty tires. It was a lot. Like you go up and over one, and then like fifteen feet later, there's another one, and they were all these big different tractor sized tires. So actually, like it was again that was surprisingly tired also tiring also because you couldn't get into like a running rhythm because you. You jump up, jump down, take three steps. Jump up, jump down, take three steps. And uh, especially when you flip three of them. Oh yeah, Thomas was on the. He was the first leader in the first wave. Um, so yeah, I, I would if I didn't see Kim going over them, I would have started flipping them too. Uh, so sometimes it pays to be in a later wave. Yeah, it's it's always a love hate relationship wanting to be in the front because. It's not if you will make a mistake. You're either going to do an obstacle wrong, wrong, you might kind of venture off course. I don't think I've ever done a race where there wasn't even just the slightest mistake just because I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. The uh, If anyone ran Casey Timber, uh, Family Timber Challenge this past one, and you're, if you're wondering why there was no spider webs on course, it's because I cleared them all out with my face. So that's what I did. Uh, a couple of weeks before this, when I ran the, I ran the, the wave, the first wave by myself fast. And then I picked up my niece, nephew, daughter, and my dad. And we ran the fa Casey family timber challenge again. But yeah, I, I, I'd eaten so many spider webs by the end of that one. That was it's, uh, some, sometimes the joy of, of running up front. But then uh, there was a kind of a slip and slide. And then you came right back into the start line. So it was cool. My daughter came in fourth for the kids race uh, out of the ladies, which is cool. It's kind of halfway. I think she, out of those about eight, eight females running. And she, and I was, uh, yeah, I was really proud of her because she, up until this point, she's been avoiding all the mud pits. So when we did Casey Timber, she was like skipping mud pits. Uh, but she dove into all of the mud pits and there was a lot this race. 
So that was pretty cool to see. So it was great, you know, great little race that uh, you could family friendly. If you're uh, obsessive OCR people, like most of this podcast is, uh, or Paul will be soon enough, uh, you can go out and kind of double down and have two great experiences that's worth the drive. Or if you're just kind of uh, getting into it, you can use that to, you know, kind of dip your pool, your foot in the OCR pool. I know, Tom, we were talking to a couple of guys after the race. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, a lot of guys were coming up and complimenting the juice performer. It's uh, made with two ingredients, the one that we had, pineapple juice and beet juice. So it's as close to natural as you can be. And they were wondering, where, where do you get it? Where do you find it? It's actually surprisingly good. And uh, I think we went with, uh, I don't know, 10 cases and only brought back maybe three. So uh, the guy even followed up with me on Facebook just to make sure he could find out where to get it. Nice. One of the, one of the benefits of bringing the pro team or inviting the pro team to one of your events is we show up with free juice performer. So um, especially Tom, Tom's got the, the team supply. He's the one who deals it out to each of us uh, to give away. I had three of them that day. I had to actually Google if it was safe to have that much. Yeah, it will turn it will turn your pee uh, red because it is beet juice. Yep. And if you don't remember that you're drinking beet juice, it usually results in me panicking when I go to the bathroom at some point. So, uh, funny story about that. My neighbor, he had one. He really didn't care for the taste, but he loved how he felt. The next day, he forgot about it. His wife is a nurse, and he was telling her. And uh, they were in the process of actually making a doctor's appointment. And then it, they realized the beaches. <laughs> so she thought he had blood and, you know, his stools and everything. And uh, now we just made him the inside joke. Nice, nice. All right, we're going to start wrapping it up. Uh, I think we covered the siege pretty good. But uh, since we got some interesting backgrounds on the podcast, so we're going to start off with Paul. Tell us something, you know, this is a primarily an obstacle course racing focused podcast, and you've got a very interesting sports background with bull riding. I've never had a bull rider on the podcast before and mixed martial arts. So let's start off with bull riding. Tell us something you can learn from bull riding that you uh, maybe plan on applying to obstacle course racing in the future. It could be mental, it could be physical regulating the grip strength or it could be you know like you know what it's like to get into a you know ride on a bull etc whatever so what do you yeah got? i mean having i was a very very amateur bull rider my career was short-lived um you know having a 2000 pound angry animal sitting between your legs is definitely a uh a wake-up call to you're not near as tough as you think you are <laughs> um but uh yeah, I mean, that's that's one thing. I mean, it's you against that animal and, you know, obstacle course, right? you against the course. You know, it's you you have the competition between you and the other racers, but ultimately it's a, a mental game between you and the course, beating that course and making it uh, all about, you know, taming the beast. Right so, on. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, a bull is large and dangerous and uh... – yeah, it's just a. I've never had a. I've never had a desire to ride a bull. I don't think ever in my life. Um, that's just interesting. I honestly don't know what made me think. Oh, this sounds like a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. Uh, I had some uh, friends who had them, and so we trained a little bit on those. And they, then you get in a ring with one that's not, you know, been practiced on like that. Get on one that's meant to meant to do damage and it is definitely a wake-up call oh wow so yeah. yeah it's it's definitely intense do you have friends that continued on in that sport oh yeah there's a lot of people that i know a lot of guys that that did it for a long time i was also a little too tall for it you know being almost six foot tall a lot of those guys that do it and do well are you know five seven and mm. shorter because the whiplash and yeah lower lot, center of gravity that makes sense yeah Interesting. What's the what's the injury rate like on some of those guys? I feel like it's got to be high. <laughs> I, don't, 
I don't even I don't even know. I got I've I've seen so many guys get uh, get hurt. I mean I I've been I was lucky. I got I got stepped on and just kind of gave me a real nice bruise, pinched me real good, and that was about it. I that was about the that was about the worst I had. I mean when I was growing up, I went to a rodeo and we actually had a guy die on the. Uh, they had ran him to the hospital and he ended up dying in the hospital just because he got his rib cage uh, broke and punctured Jeez. a rib or punctured a lung and yeah so yeah hard it can be definitely be dangerous hard pass for me so one of the <laughs> other one of the other interesting so I learned one Kim used to uh, box amateur and I know you're an MMA guy so we're gonna jump over to Kim and then back to you Paul um, but. If you f- check out the Team Strength Speed website, I just added a fighting subsection. So if you look at the top tab, there's a fighting subsection. There's a fighting kind of section, and then in, in it, I have some some background on some of the athletes within Strength and Speed that have competed in combat sports or trained in martial arts or stuff like that. I've also got a links bunch of links for Tiga Tactics, the uh, martial arts self defense company that I've had Patrick Wong and uh, Dr. Conrad on the podcast before. So if anyone's looking for more information, you can head over into that sub tab. And then I've been binge reading martial arts books for the last couple of years. So I just started making a list of some of my favorites on the website. So if you're looking for free resources, or if you like the strength and speed podcast, but are more interested in the, you know, the martial arts uh, kind of focus of it, uh, where we touched on uh, people with martial arts background, I kind of broke that out and put those podcasts in a separate area so you can find them. Yeah. So check out the fighting section. So Kim, Let's talk a little bit about one. Tell us a little about your boxing background, and then two. Uh, tell us about any kind of lessons you've learned from boxing that you are currently applying to obstacle course racing. Um, I'd say, um, well, I kind of my whole family <laughs> is kind of my dad's side. It was in uh, boxing. My uh, grandpa was a professional fighter when he was golly like high school kind of onward. My dad, he was uh, he didn't go pro, but he made it to the national junior Olympics um just took it to a high level so it's kind of like always in our family and um I, my mom wouldn't really let me start till uh, my senior year in high school so I got started at uh, Lee Summit maybe Summit Missouri um just kind of learning fundamentals and stuff and then um I kind of carried that over to uh Columbia Missouri when I got my teaching um uh, teach, teaching position up in Moberly I uh, started training down in Columbia um, nights and got in some amateur, uh, kind of fights in the Columbia area. And, um, uh, definitely it's, a uh, it's kind of like, it's just, it's, uh, kind of an odd sport cause it's like you're beating the crud out of each other, but it's like, at the same time, you just develop that respect. And, um, yeah, it's like, you don't, you never, like, I never got mad at anybody. It's just, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You kind of just try to test, test yourself a little bit. And, um, but yeah, I had, uh, kind of my only sanctioned fight, I guess, kind of was, um, I guess like an event, I guess you kind of say was down in Springfield, um, when I first was teaching here my first year and, um, it was pretty cool. Cause, uh, I don't know if anyone knows, um, uh, t- uh, t- um, God, I'm trying to, Tommy Morrison, uh, kind of on the Rocky, uh, yeah, Rocky movies and stuff where he was, uh, kind of a young guy that Rocky was training and uh, Tommy Morrison also was the heavyweight champion, I believe for just a short period of time. Like Tommy um, Gunn from Rocky five. We're talking here. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Tommy Gunn. Yeah. Um, just kind of, yeah. yeah, he uh, is his, uh, his whole family was pretty much there at that fight in Springfield. Like his brother was there. His son was fighting one of our guys, um, which I believe it was heavyweight. He was fighting at the guy was huge as Tommy's uh, son. And, um, so it was so cool. Just like they had people there filming, just, um, I don't know what kind of they were doing it for, but they were kind of with his crew. And, um, so it was cool just knowing, yeah, Tommy Morrison following him a little bit and having his family there. I was like, whoa. So definitely. Yeah. Cool. And then, yeah, then kind of, cause I teach, uh, kind of a side note, I teach third grade, um, up here in Moberly. So needless to say, uh, the black eyes and stuff uh, didn't quite sit too well, so I found that uh, obstacle course <laughs> racing was a good transition um, to kind of continue to just allow myself to push push as um, hard as I could, and um, a lot of just kind of seeing uh, 
yeah, kind of what I'm made of is uh, something I really enjoy. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think coming in with scratches all over your body, like you got in a fight with a cat is probably a lot better because yeah. you can't, they can't see that. Like I went to the pool on Sunday after the race and I had like <laughs> I had these like deep scratches on my leg. I was like, oh, uh, but yeah, you wouldn't see that as a, as a third grade teacher. So <laughs> probably a good call. Any lessons you've pulled over from boxing into obstacle course racing? I would say a lot for me, like physically, it's still like just that consistency of training. At least for me, I continually, I'm in shape, like pretty much all the time, just continually training um, and definitely having my off time just so I can rest, uh, like during the colder months and stuff. But um, a lot for me was just the mental, uh, the mental game as far as just getting to that point where you're comfortable suffering. Uh, <laughs> I know it sounds weird, but it's like you kind of just, you get used to, to when you're just in pain and just you're like pretty much suffering that it's not yeah it's not like gonna shock you it's like you're just kind of you're kind of just used to it um and then uh a lot with boxing too is like i had a transition it was all push motion um with boxing and then with ops of course racing i feel like i'm um just more more of a pull oh yeah the pull-ups the all pull just like a different yeah all pull so i had a I had to definitely retrain my body and it took golly a few years. Just I, I work out on the playground behind our school every Monday, Wednesday, Friday for about 40, 50 minutes or so. And just, um, just that consistent, just training has really helped change my body. Um, which is pretty, yeah, pretty wild how it just yeah, over a few years, it's kind of, yeah, totally, totally changed. Right on. All right, I'm going to jump back over to Paul real quick and then we're going to start wrapping up the podcast. So any lessons uh, from some of your MMA background that you are uh, planning on applying to obstacle course racing? Yeah, it's kind of a lot like what Kim was talking about, you know, uh, that mental toughness being okay to be just hurting, <laughs> be okay with hurting all the time. You know, uh, you know, MMA, you have, you don't have so much of the, all push you know you got grappling and so you're doing a lot of pulling motions too so you get a little bit more of that but it's definitely definitely got a more consistent you know repetition with the obstacle course races but you know it's it's really cool to be able to take some of those all those different you know football training and the mma training and all that stuff and just take it and compile it it all kind of comes together with the obstacle course. It's kind of just an all-around, just complete athletic event. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, we're going to start wrapping things up. Let's do – tell us something people would be surprised to know about you. We're going to start off with Tom, and then we'll jump over to Kim and then back to Paul. Tom, what do you got? Uh, I hate running, <laughs> um, which is shocking every time I tell someone about that doing the sport but i hate running can't stand it i would probably venture to say i do the least amount of running for the people that are like in our category in racing elite racing and there's weeks where five miles tops so i rely heavily on hit training so don't ever ask me just to go for a run for fun won't happen gotcha kim uh we're gonna jump over to you tell us something people would be surprised to know about you um, I, I'm thinking on my shirt, maybe some people are wondering why I wear that red, uh, shirt that says Gratz Brown Elementary. Well, that's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's the elementary school I, uh, I work at here in Moberly. So, um, ever since I've kind of got into just obstacle course racing competitively, I'm like, shoot, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wear that red shirt and represent my school. So the students kind of enjoy it and staff and stuff. Oh, nice. Uh, me sported so i always get questions they're like what are you doing like the starting guy like what's up with the elementary shirt i'm like well i'm a t- i'm a teacher so yeah it's really proud of my elementary school that i graduated yeah, I from I guess 30 years ago <laughs> nice good stuff uh paul go for it oh man i'm trying to think of something that's interesting i guess but uh I guess I, I've got three kids and I've been trying to get, you know, back into the fitness thing. Cause I, I didn't work out for almost eight years in my first marriage. 
And so for the last like two years, I've been just now trying to get back into shape to where I can actually compete and stuff mm-hmm. and, and be a, be an athlete again. Cause I completely let myself uh, go physically, you know, I wasn't never got real fat or anything like that, but I just, I definitely was not the, I mean, I would, I would run up a set of stairs and get gassed. Yeah. You know, I just didn't have any type of stamina and it took me, you know, I've been back at it now for two years and it, it's feeling good. So, so what advice would you have for someone who's uh, maybe at a similar position, but at the beginning of their journey, right? So like they, they were athlete in high school or whatever, they've been act- inactive for a while and they they want to get back into it. What would you tell them? Uh, don't compare yourself to other people in the gym. You know, your only opponent when you're trying to get back in shape and stuff should be the person you were the day before. So, you know, you go in and you're trying to bench. Don't look at the guys that are out there benching 300 go, okay, yesterday I did this. I'm going to try to beat it by one rep or I'm going to beat it by five pounds. You know, that compete with yourself and make yourself a better, better athlete, trying to compare yourself to others who have been doing it for years. And you never know what those guys are doing. Uh, You are your own, you are your own competition. Yeah. Very good advice. And as someone who spent the last, I don't know, 20 plus years in the gym. I can tell you the only people who are looking around at what other people are lifting are people who are uh, self-conscious about themselves. Like I don't, when I go to the gym, I don't pay attention to what other people are lifting because who cares? It's like a training day. No one, like, I don't care what your training weight is. It's irrelevant. So, um, you know, I think the, the only other people who are really looking are other people who are self-conscious. So uh, do not worry about it. And again, it, um, training is training. So it doesn't really matter too much. Yeah. It's- all these high schoolers that are in here, they're like, oh man, I got to have to do steroids to get into shape like you or, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, guys, you, you, you got to diet, right. You got to sleep, got to yep. live right. You can't just go in and, you know, you can't transform overnight. You take, it's a process. Yep. And you can't bench press and curl every day. <laughs> right. Yeah. Work legs every once in a while. That's good. It, uh, you know, when you hit those major muscle groups, it spikes your growth hormone. So it's, uh, you know, if you, they say, if you want to get big arms, you should, uh, lift legs, right. Cause it spikes well, it's your- like a, like a tree, man, you, it, a tree can't, the tree canopy can't grow without a strong trunk. You That's true. Have a strong base, strong core. That is true. That is true. And when you're, when you're that young, I mean, your testosterone is already through the roof, right? Like you're, I think you're good in the testosterone department. Just like eat, <laughs> eat a lot, eat healthy sleep like you were saying and train consistently uh all, all your body parts there and you'll you'll grow especially you know you know late teens early 20s you'll be growing like a weed there yep, so. for, sure. for sure and uh let's see uh i'll try to match something similar so tom mentioned he does not like running i actually don't like being outside that much and i know that's a weird thing to say for someone who spends a lot of their personal activity outside racing but if I'm outside doing something, it's fine. If we just want to like go for a walk, I don't like that. Or sunbathe, like I hate sunbathing. It's I feel like it's I'm just sitting there sweating for no reason. Uh, so I prefer to be inside, surprisingly, a lot. And uh, Kim, related to elementary school, I actually went back. I can't remember if I talked about this in the podcast, but I went back and talked at my elementary school the day after Toughest Mudder East in uh, Philadelphia. I was home in New York on a Monday, which is where I grew up in Long Island, and I went back and spoke at Washington Street Elementary School, which I hadn't been to in probably 20 years or so. Um, I think I've been there like a couple times since I graduated, but no, it was kind of interesting to go back, and everything was disproportionately smaller than I felt like it should be because all my memories of it are as a small child, Uh, but that was cool. I got to share with them some background on some of my military stuff. If anyone wants to hear more about that, they can pick up my book, Ultra OCR Man. Uh, but then I got to, you know, obviously it talked about my experience overseas, but then I also got to t- talk about obstacle course racing because of, um, you know, successes and failures. Like I talk about my appearances on Ninja Warrior, which fall into the failure category, uh, and my successes, which most my Ultra OCR stuff. So it was cool to share some of those life lessons with some of those little kids, and hopefully some of the some of it stuck. And uh, you know, when they realize when they grow up that, you know anything's possible if you uh, continue to consistently work forward and take baby steps towards the goal. Um, you'll find yourself at a lot closer to where you want to be at the end of, you know, five, 10, 15 years, et cetera. All right. We're going to start wrapping it up for real this time. Tom, any final 
shout-outs or plugs you want to give before we let everyone go? We're still looking for uh, socks, so if you want to donate any socks to Footprints ICT, they're located in Wichita, and they basically just provide socks for uh, children in need in schools and the homeless. Right on. Kim, what do you got? Uh, just have a great rest of the week, everybody. And, um, yeah, just have a positive mindset kind of solves a lot of issues. So yeah, try to try to hit the positive every day. I don't think I have anything to add to them. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, again, head over to check out teamstrengthspeed.com. Links to all my books. Let's check out the new fighting section we got up on the website. Uh, I got new articles publishing, I feel like, weekly on OCR World Championships. So check those out. A lot of technique articles over there. It also has links to some of my books. And I uh, got some, there'll be a written review of the Siege publishing on OCR Buddy. Uh, make sure you download OCR Buddy, the app. Got uh, bleg mitts, all sizes and styles in stock. Anyone heading to OCR World Championships in Stratton, Vermont, I will have a booth there that has my books and my bleg mitts. And the uh, bleg mitts, you'll actually be able to try them on, right? So you can actually, you know, figure out which ones you like best so highly recommend picking those up in person because you don't have to pay for shipping uh, it's a lot cheaper so uh and you get to walk home with them that day so great opportunity there hopefully i'll see everyone in ocr world championships and if um if those of those who live in the midwest and listen to this head to conquer the gauntlet which is going to be in tulsa labor day weekend again it's a two-day event saturday individual race and open waves and then sunday the team challenge race so I hope to see some people out there. That'll be a fun event as always. And what else, Tom? Am I missing anything? Did I shout out Rock Tape already for holding up my my arm, my shoulder together? My my shoulder was bothering me uh, after uh, toughest murder, so I I racked wrapped in Rock Tape, threw some Rock Sauce Fire on there, and I swear this stuff is magic because every time I use it, I'm like, oh, this thing's kind of nagging, and then I wear it for a couple of days, and it feels better. It's straight up magic. Because highly recommend Rock Tape and Rock Sauce. I actually got one, a big one we missed, Aurora. Uh, oh, yeah. With the weather, it's going to take a turn here pretty quick. Uh, won't get cold enough this week, but World Championships is go- coming up. And if you want one jacket with a battery that will keep you warm in any weather with three different warm settings, um, we will be doing a giveaway. So be watching our Facebook page details on that soon yeah uh, I got, I, we got a couple hundred dollars gift cards yeah i got i got we got i have a ton of stuff from aurora to give away a couple hundred dollar gift cards and then i actually have some uh free jackets and i think i had two free jackets and two free vests um so make sure you're following um mud gear battle lines protein and then make sure uh you come see me at ocr world championships so opportunity multiple opportunities over the next couple months and then I'll probably do an also giveaway on Strength and Speed Facebook. So make sure you're following that too. All right. Thanks again for coming on, guys. Uh, thank you for the siege for hosting us and having us uh, in, come to the race and enjoy the experience and uh, planning on coming back next year, hopefully. And maybe, maybe we'll roll with the same crew and try to defend our title if everyone's free. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch all of you later. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, baby.